can we just thank the Lord again for just allowing us to worship him this morning uh, Robert thank you for your leadership and uh, one of the things I appreciate about Robert is how he's got so many so many of our people so many of our own just involved in worship just about every Sunday we've got a different worship team up here and and I appreciate that about him and man I love the songs these are some of my three of my favorite songs uh, we sang today hey I trust you've got your copy of God's Word uh, if you do, turn with me to the old, or the New Testament book, rather, of 2 Timothy. And if you're using an electronic device, uh, I would encourage you to download the Bible app. And you could not only follow along uh, in the Bible on that app, but you would have access to sermon notes. And it would give you an opportunity to make notes if you can utilize that electronic device better than I can. But uh, it's, it's a neat little platform that we have for you, and you can download that. It's free, and uh, just you can use that as the Lord blesses you. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today, and I cannot think of a better sermon to speak to these graduates than on this particular theme that we're going to be looking at today, a certain word for an uncertain world. But not only is this a message that I think they need to hear, and I really wanted to preach to them, but, but I want to preach to all of you as well. Because this is a word that we all need to take hold of and grasp. That we, we're living in some uncertain days, aren't we? We're living in some hard days, but the word of God is true. And, and we want to focus our life and everything we do, our decisions, on the word of God. A certain word for an uncertain world. So this applies to our graduates today. It applies to every person in the room. And as you're getting ready to look with me in that portion of God's word, uh, there was a book that came out a couple of years ago, several years ago for that matter, called The Book of Heroic Failures. And that book of heroic failures contains a lot of stories about, you guessed it, failures and people's mistakes. And they, one of the stories talks about a strike of firefighters in Britain. Wow, that's like, y'all awake now? <laughs> in 1978 is when this took place, 1978. Firefighters in Britain went on strike. What are they going to do? Well, they turned to the army, and the army said, well, we'll, we'll be prepared to fight the fires and to do whatever things that, that you might need us to do. Well, one afternoon, they got a phone call that there was a cat up in a lady's tree. And so that's a big deal, right? Because I can remember just from being a little thinking, well, hey, that's one of the things firefighters do. They go and rescue cats that happen to be up in a tree. So, so that's what the firefighters did. They go to this lady's house. She's all upset because her little kitten's up there in the tree. What if the cat falls down? She's just really scared. So they, they said, we'll get your cat down. We're in, we're in the Army, and we're firefighters today. So they, they got the cat down off that tree. And the lady was so overjoyed. She said, well, come on into my house. And, and she made them a cup of tea because it's Britain, right? Now, if it was down south, you're talking about sweet tea, aren't you? Right? Well, this was tea. So she invites them in for some hot tea, and they had a great time of fellowship over tea, and everything was just fine and dandy, and then they get in the fire truck to leave, and they back over the cat. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Now, now I'm going to just know that's a mistake. They didn't say, oh, look at the kitty, let's get it. No, they didn't have that type of mentality. It was a mistake, and I share that with you because guess what? We all make them. We all make mistakes. Uh, par parents make mistakes. Grandparents make mistakes. Y'all are going to make mistakes. You're looking at somebody that makes his fair share of mistakes. We all make mistakes, right? Are we all on the same page when it comes to that? We may not be a failure at this, that, or the other, but we all know what it's like to make mistakes. Some of you that's going to be furthering your education in a couple of days, uh, you may make the mistake by choosing the wrong major. 
some of us that have been through college, we've been there, done that. We've chosen the wrong major, and we thought this was a mistake. Now, I was so stubborn, I never did change my major, but I should have changed my major because I didn't really care for it, but I stuck with it because I'm stubborn. I'm not as stubborn now, but I was maybe back then. But, but you know what it's like, some of you, to, to choose a major and you realize, man, that was really that's not a good fit for me. Some of you might, may make the mistake of choosing a particular class that you didn't like, and all of us have been there and done that as well. Or you may decide, hey, I want to go on a date with this person, and halfway through the date you realize, boy, is this a mistake. I'm glad Tina didn't say that many, 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 many years ago. All right? But some of y'all are saying, man, we've been out with this person. Gosh, this is, a, this is a mistake. We don't have anything in common. Great, look how the person eats. Anyway, y'all know what it's like. I've heard of preachers that make mistakes. Don't answer anything to that. But we all make mistakes. I've heard of pastors that have gone to one particular church, and maybe they've been there for, you know, a couple of weeks, months, even maybe going into a year, and they thought, you know, just, just isn't a good fit. And if you've been watching the news this past week, uh, you know the president of the University of South Carolina re resigned, and one of the trustees, as I was reading about that, because I was really interested in that, and I was reading about it, one of the trustees said, you know, from the get-go, it just wasn't a good fit. Well, was it? Maybe. Here's what I did discover as I was researching about USC was that um, during uh, the president's tenure there, enrollment went up, which is always a good thing. Diversification among the student body went up as well. And get this, this is really good. All of us parents that have kids in school, we like this. Tuition was frozen, not just for one year, but for two years. So was that a mistake? Not from my point, vantage point, because college is really expensive. But did he make mistakes? Well, yeah. But we all make mistakes. But let me just tell our graduates this. You're going to make mistakes, just like mom and dad, just like everybody here. But there's one person that's never made a mistake. And he loves you with an everlasting love. So even when you make mistakes, our Heavenly Father gives us a beautiful thing called grace. So all of us make mistakes, but do not make this mistake. So graduates, all eyes on me. All right, thank you all. Man, they, they were like they did that. I'm impressed. Don't make the mistake of leaving out the Word of God from your life. That's your guidebook for life. So 2 Timothy is where we're going to be at this morning. Trust you've got that by now in your Bibles. Let's look at um, in the entirety, if you will, of chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. The beginning portion here is talking about godlessness in the last days. Here's what the Bible says. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with serious passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. And then he gets kind of personal here. He's like, hey, these, this is just like Janice and Jambres. They opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, and he's talking to Timothy here, Paul is. You, however, 
have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them, all, from them all, rather, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, and might I just say my, the woman of God as well, may be complete and equipped for every good work. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this precious time we've had this morning to sing to you. And Lord, as I was belting the music over there in my seat, uh, even as I was possibly singing off key, I was making a joyful Lord noise to you, and Lord, you were greatly pleased. So Lord, I thank you that you were pleased with the worship that's taking place of you this morning. And Lord, now as we turn aside to your word, may you speak to us as only you can. I thank you, Lord, especially for each student that is here, for each family that's represented here today. Lord, I thank you that you are greater than all of our mistakes and that your word is something that these students and all of us can depend on in the midst of a world that sometimes is just going crazy. So speak to us today, we pray in your name. Amen and amen. Hey, Paul wrote this book um, kind of later in his life, and he's writing it to, to a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy's kind of older at this time. He's kind of like Trey, Beth. He's about Trey's age. Trey's in his early 30s, right? Oh, to be that age again, right? But Paul's writing to his mentee in the faith, and his name is Timothy. Timothy's a young leader in the church there in Ephesus. So Paul's just bringing him along, and that's really a great picture of discipleship. You're bringing somebody along, and and Paul was really speaking to, into his life. He was bringing Timothy along. Timothy's what we call a second-generation Christian. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a second-generation Christian. In other words, um, I was blessed to be raised in a home where mom was a Christian and where she had me in church every Sunday. Uh, Y'all have heard the old story about having a drug problem. You know, you would drug the church every time the doors were open, and that was me. And how thankful I am for that. I remember the first time I asked mom, hey, can I stay out of church? Now, you know, weird what you remember, but the Oakland Raiders and Philadelphia Eagles were playing in the Super Bowl, and I said, I'd really like to watch the Super Bowl. Man, I felt guilty. Worst Super Bowl I ever watched in my life because I stayed home from church that night. But how thankful I am that she had me in church. I'm a second generation. And the reason he was a second generation Christian is because he was raised in a home where his mother and his grandmother taught him, the Bible says, the sacred writings. Those two women's names were Eunice and Lois. In fact, Miss Eunice told me a few minutes ago, I, I don't mean to call on people and stuff, but I do have fun doing it. She said, you got a good sermon today? I hope I do. But anyway, Eunice and Lois brought up uh, Timothy in their home. They taught him the sacred writings. They gave Timothy a certain word for the world in which he was living in. In fact, the Bible says from your childhood you've been acquainted, Timothy. You've known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So from, from the earliest of ages, 
I mean, little Timothy was taught about the Lord. He was taught doctrines. He was taught about the fellowship of, of the church, if you will. I mean, he was just brought along. He was discipled. But not only was he taught the sacred writings, what I like to think of as well is, was just perhaps Paul was even thinking about some of the New Testament writings that were being put to paper at this particular point in his life, really early there in the first century. So Timothy here is a great example of a second-generation Christian. Paul, on the other hand, is a first-generation Christian, someone who's come to faith for the very first time, the first one of their family to come to faith, and that was Paul here. So either way, here's what Paul is telling Timothy. He, he's saying, continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you have believed. So I would encourage all of you students here today, continue on with what your parents have taught you. Continue on in the faith that Trey and Beth have poured out to you and all the other youth leaders in this church. Don't neglect the Word of God. It's a certain word. It's the truth for you as you begin this new journey in your life. You know, if there was... Um, a big idea of this message, it would be that you can simply depend upon God's Word. And the reason that we need to depend upon God's Word, just two truths I want to share with you today, and here's the first one. You need to be able to depend upon God's Word and heed God's Word because we are living in some dangerous times. Y'all agree with that? We really are living in some weird times. And yeah, these times are perilous and these times can be dangerous. The Bible says there in verse 1, understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of, y'all see what the Bible says? There will be times of difficulty. There will be times that are hard, if you will. And if you underline any type of phrase or words, you might want to underline that little phrase, times of difficulties. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy's in his early 30s now, leading the church there. One of the leaders in the church there in Ephesus is like, you need to depend upon God's word. Because, Timothy, there's going to be times that's going to be difficult for you. So depend. Focus on God's Word in the midst of great difficulty. We're living in days of difficulty. Just look around you. Watch the news, and you see that we are living in some days of difficulty. You know, sometimes the question comes up as we move closer and closer to Jesus coming, coming back. Y'all believe he's coming back? I do. So as we get closer and closer to Jesus coming back, um, the questions answered are asked, um, are things getting better or are they getting worse? Well, it depends. Uh, from a technology standpoint, I think things are getting a whole lot better. You know, we walk around with telephones, you know, if you will, computers. Computers, that's a better word for it. Computers either in our back pocket, on our hip, in your purse. Some of you even got them on your wrist. I haven't made it that far yet, but some of you got them up there. Those computers... Are, are bigger and more powerful, if you will, really more powerful than any of the computers that NASA used to put mankind on the moon. So from a technology standpoint, yeah, we're getting a whole lot better. From a medical standpoint, from a health standpoint, we're getting better as well. If you were born in 1900, uh, you had a pretty good chance of living until you were 50 years of age. But now we're living a little bit longer, right? We're a little more healthier as well. So from a medical standpoint, from a health standpoint, things are a, a whole lot better. The same can be said for athletics. We're, we're better athletically. Back in 1936, Jesse Owens was the fastest man out there. You know, broke the world record in the 100-meter race. But a couple of years uh, late, a couple of years ago, rather, um, 2013, a guy by the name of Usain Bolt, I almost want to do his, you know, little picture there that he does. It's not the Heisman Trophy pose, but I'm going to try to pose like Bolt does, but, but he was so fast, if he and Jesse Owens were racing in the same race, Owens would have been left like 14 feet behind him as Bolt crossed the finish line. That's how much faster we are 
and better we are athletically. Even, and the same can even be said of economics. You think the economy is bad now. Uh, it's, it's really not when you look at so many different variables. Uh, poverty is still here, but when it comes to the world, when it turns to poverty in the world, less than 10% of the world's population is in poverty. So it's a little bit better. And you may not feel rich, but when you look at the world again, we're really, really rich. So from an economical standpoint, things are a little bit better. So in a lot of ways, things are better, right, than they used to be. But in a lot of days, things have gotten a whole lot worse. And the Bible says that from a moral standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, before Jesus returns, it's going to get worse. And there's going to be times of difficulty. That word difficulty means terrible times. There are going to be days that are hard, times that are going to be dangerous, times that's going to be filled with trouble. And if you have your Bible still open there, in verse 2, Paul begins to list 19 vices that characterize people in these days in which we're living. Now, and these have been around for a long time, right? But I think you would agree with me that more and more and more and more we're seeing these things just prevalent in our world today. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of money. They have the appearance of godliness, but they deny such power. So he, he warns us about all these vices, 19 of them, that's going to be so prevalent in these last days, in these days that are difficult, in these days that are perilous. And what do you think he tells us? He tells us you're to avoid such people. The closer you, you need to be getting to God, so, so that you can say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to let the world and all these vices that are so prevalent in the world just rub off on me. In other words, I'm going to rub off on the world instead because the scriptures are that important to me. Hey, consider this. Consider this, if you will. If you're going in one direction, right, just one direction, if you will, and if you're off by just one degree, all right, if you're going in one degree and you're off your target by one degree, you're going to miss your target. Let's say, let me give you, let me just kind of get it in more details. If you're going in one direction and you haven't really gone hardly anywhere at all and you're traveling hmm, one foot, not a lot, right? But if you go off a direction traveling one foot, you're going to miss your target by 0.2 inches. <gasps> Rocket science, right? Listen to this. If you're traveling a mile and you're off one degree from your target, you'll be 92.2 feet from where you're intended to go. If you're traveling from San Francisco and you're heading to Washington, D.C., if you're off by one degree, you'll end up in Baltimore, 42.6 miles away from your intended target. If you're traveling around the globe from Washington, D.C., and you're off by one degree, you're not going to wind up back in D.C. You're going to be some 435 miles from off your intended target, and you're going to wind up in Boston. All right? That's my New England bro, Boston. You go see Joe there at the Church of the Well. If you're on a rocket and you're going to the moon and you get off target, you're going to be off your, your target by some 4,000 miles. And that's, all of that's by just, if you're off by just 1%, right? if you're just off by 1%, you're going you're to miss it all. So I share that with you just to say this. That's how important it is for you to be focused and centered upon the, the Word of God. Because we're living in these perilous, difficult days. As history gets closer and closer to the return of Jesus, sin can take us farther and farther away from where Jesus wants us to be. And as the world gets worse and worse, the pressure for believers, the pressure for the church to conform 
gets greater and greater. So if you're just off target by just one degree, and if you stop following the truth of God's word, even for just a little bit, you're putting yourself up to reap the consequences that are perilous and that are dangerous. For example, if things that might seem harmless to you now, if you're not careful, can become an addiction later. You know, I've been in the ministry now for, man, well over 15 years as a preacher. And I've seen a lot of families who's had kids who say, well, I'm going to dabble with alcohol, I'm going to dabble with drugs, and it's not going to hurt me. And those kids are nothing like what they were that I saw being raised in church. They thought, ah, you know, I'm just going to do it just once. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, just that harmless habit can become an addiction. Flirtation can become promiscuity later. Making racial and ethnic jokes now can turn into hatred and bigotry and violence later. Cutting corners when it comes to honesty can turn into complete corruption later. The Bible teaches that you're setting a course for yourself, so you need to stay on target. And the way to stay on target is to focus upon God's Word. David, a man after God's own heart, asked this particular question. He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then he answers it. He says, how can I keep myself pure? By, by simply obeying the Word of God, by obeying the Bible. So you see, God's Word is kind of like soap and water in our spiritual lives. It keeps us clean morally. It keeps us clean spiritually. So from my, from my perspective to you guys, when I'm reading the Bible each day, my mind and my heart can easily get off target if I'm not careful. But when I'm in the Bible each day, I'm reminded <laughs> of who he is and who I am and what his desires are for me. And it helps me to stay upon target because God's word is something I want to live my life by. I want you to live your life by his word. And then another truth that we see in scripture is that you need God's word because of the prophet of divine truth. The Bible is profitable for you and for me. And we see in verses 16 to 17 some words that are just really, really powerful. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God might be complete and equipped for every good work. That's why Paul is telling Timothy as he's writing this letter to his mentee, hey, stay in the word. Continue in what you've been taught. Nothing would please me more. Graduates, nothing would please Beth and Trey more than to know. And your leaders in the youth ministry, nothing would please them more if five years down the line they look at your life and they say, man, they're still in church. And they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. Nothing would please them more. Nothing would please your family more as well. You know, according to the Bible, as we look at verses 16 and 17, the Bible is not just a book that human authors have put together. It's not just man's thoughts about God. The Bible says of itself, it is breathed out. It's breathed out by God himself. And, and, and this book that is breathed a love letter to you, and he breathes it out just for you. It's not a collection of human ideas about God. The Bible shows us that it came from God. And it's written by men who God inspired to write these pages. And they were recognized by the church so many years ago in the first century as being breathed out by God. So, so know this, graduates. These 66 books that compile and comprise the Bible, what we call the canon of Scripture, were recognized very early on as being the Word of God in the church and in Christian history. And you may hear some people say down the road, well, there's some other books that need to be in there that should be in there. Let me just tell you this. I, I promise you that every book in this Bible was intended by God to be here for you. 
There's not a mistake in here whatsoever. In fact, the earliest pages of Scripture were being put to, to paper or papyrus, if you will, way back when even John was getting ready to write the New Testament in the books that bears his name. So the Bible says of itself that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. It's God speaking to us from his word. And the Bible says of itself that it's profitable. So when you open up God's word, know that it is profitable for you. That means that it's valuable. The word of God is useful for you. It's not just written by people from, you know, long ago in a language that we can't understand. It's written so that you can understand it today. And it speaks to you today. That's why you hear all these preachers at all the time say, get into the word. Because it speaks to you. It's profitable for you. Then the Bible says here, and I'm just going along here in verses 16 and 17, that it says it's profitable for teaching. In other words, you learn doctrinal truth from the Bible. Verse 15 says that scriptures make us wise to salvation. I mean, get this. Only the Bible tells you how to be saved. You're not going to read that in other history books. Only the Bible tells you about Jesus and how you can come to faith in Jesus. Only the Bible tells us about his character and how the world was created. Only the Bible answers so many of those things. Then the Bible says not only is it profitable for teaching, it's profitable for reproof. And what that word means is that the Bible points out our sin. And there have been a number of occasions when I'm reading God's word just for me, not to get a sermon out of it, Trip, but I'm just reading it for me, and, and it just like gets me about the sin in my life. It's, it's correcting me, if you will. Then the Bible says that it's profitable for correction. Now, don't, you, don't you hate it when somebody corrects you and they get all on to you about something and then they don't tell you how to make it right? Well, the Bible tells us not only what we do wrong, but how to make it right. Then the Bible says it's useful for training in righteousness. The Bible tells us how we're to please God and how we're to glorify God. And here's the result of living a life that glorifies and pleases God, that we might be complete, the Bible says, and equipped for every good work. So as you take your Bible day by day, and as you read it, and as you study it, and as you meditate on it, as you memorize it, here's what God will do. God will take his word, and he will hide it in your heart, and he will transform you to look more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes... People think when they open their Bible in the mornings or be it maybe late at night when they have their quiet time that they should expect a lightning bolt experience or a burning bush experience. Has that ever happened to me? No. I don't think. i got a pretty good memory. I don't think it has happened. But there have been times it feel, I feel like I have heard the Word of God so clearly, but it just came from His Word. So for me, when I read His Word, I'm just letting it into my life for just a minute. When I read His Word... I know that God is speaking to me, our life changes, but over time as I feed myself from the word of God, his word is changing me into his image. It's like that old hymn, let others see Jesus in me, or in you, you remember that old hymn? I want others to see Jesus in me. Most people take a multivitamin, you know why? It's not because it tastes good, but over a period of, of time, it's going to be good for you. Right? That's what scripture intake is. You put forth the scripture intake into your Bible each day, and over time, it will do your body good. Same thing for muscles. Building muscles take time. I mean, look at me. You don't get to look like me by... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all know I'm going with that. You don't take a class and start cramming for your test the night before the exam. You study it day by day, week by week, little by little. Same thing with scripture. And in like manner, when you do that, you will grow spiritually. 
And when you begin to expect the unexpected day by day, the Bible will put the pieces in place of your life so you can meet all sorts of challenges that life throws at you. Ultimately, the Bible shows you that you can depend upon God's word and you can get encouragement from it each and every day. Listen to uh, Romans 15, verse 4. The Bible says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. The Bible was written for your instruction, graduates, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures that we all might have hope. So, So day by day, taking the Bible and through the encouragement of the Bible, you can have hope. And you need hope because we're living in an uncertain world. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate Billy and Ruth Graham. And Ruth Graham tells a story about her life, that um, something that she carried with her until God called her home in heaven. She was 13 years of age when um, her father, who was a missionary surgeon in China, decided to send her to boarding school in what we now know as North Korea. I think I would be kind of upset with my dad if he was sending me away from home. We're living overseas already, and then he sends me to Korea. So thinking about just the fact she was leaving home and her family and her friends behind and going to school was just brutal for her. I mean, she didn't want to leave home. She didn't want to leave her parents. She didn't want to leave her friends. And she was praying, crying out to God that he would just do something. She would even pray, Lord, I'm ready to go home to heaven. I don't want to go to this boarding school in Korea. And she prayed that consistently. In fact, she prayed it really hard one night. And when she woke up the next morning, she was disappointed she wasn't in heaven. That's how much she did not want to go to this boarding school. But they took her down to the ship. She waved goodbye. She said goodbye. And then all the memories that she had of home just went with her to this boarding school in Korea. She got on a boat called the Nagasaki Maru. And she sailed on to the East China Sea and to the school that she would eventually call home. A week later, wave after wave of homesickness pounded her mind. Uh, She testifies that she stayed busy during the day, but the nights were just so very hard. She would bury her head in her pillow and cry herself to sleep. Her homesickness was so bad, she even went to the infirmary. After another week, she went to see her sister Rosa, who was also at this same boarding school, but the sister was not sympathetic. She said, "Um, I don't know what to tell you, Ruth. Take a verse from the Bible, insert your name in it, and just see if that helps. So that's exactly what Ruth did. She went to a room that night. She turned to her favorite chapter, which was Isaiah 53, and she put her name in this particular verse right there. So the Bible reads this way. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But Ruth took her sister's advice and changed it this way. He was wounded for Ruth's transgressions. Jesus was bruised for Ruth's inequities. The chastisement of Ruth's peace was upon him, and by his stripes, Ruth is healed. When she put her name in that scripture verse, God just seemed to do a work in her life like never before, and she felt at that precise moment peace at being at that boarding school. For her, it was that lightning strike. I would say to our graduates and to everyone here this morning to take a verse of scripture and to just put your name on it and see if God speaks to you the same way he did for Ruth. In fact, here's a verse I like, and I wanted to share this with our graduates. 
I love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Can we read that again? And you just silently put your name where you need to put your name in that verse. I'm going to kind of redo it myself, but you put your name where you need to put your name in this particular verse. But listen to how I read it. For I know the plans I have for Carson, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper trip and not to harm Temple. Plans to give Juliana hope and a future. Y'all put your name in that verse. Because that is God's word speaking to you today. That's not a promise he made to somebody years and years ago. He's making that promise to you today. Y'all with me? That's a promise that all of us can claim. Listen to this verse of scripture, Romans 15, verse 4. Oh, I love this one as well. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. That is written for you. It's not by chance that you're here today. That's a verse of scripture that God has written for you. And then we read over in Romans 5, verse 8. Put your name in this verse as well. But God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, while Rod was a sinner, Christ died for us us put your name there Christ died for you oh and then put your name here as well Romans 10 verse 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you put your name there you will be saved now here's the question can you put your name there graduates I would ask you that this morning here's the test of all tests have you put your name there have you put your name in that verse right there so that you might be saved? In other words, have you graduates and all of you that are here today, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? When you do, when you do that, when you repent of your sin and put your faith and your trust in Jesus, all of these promises become your promises. And of all the mistakes you can make, if you know Jesus as Lord, don't neglect the Bible, but of all the mistakes that anybody can make in here today is to neglect putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you to uh, bow your heads with me and, and just join me as we go to God the Father in prayer for just a minute. Lord, you've been so good to us. And Lord, I pray as we sing a song of invitation in just a minute before we honor our graduates that, um, Lord, I just, I, I pray that we're right with you. Help us to turn and to put our faith in you. Lord, there again, how good you've been to us. You've loved us. You've guided us. Lord, I pray for these graduates. Some are going into perhaps jobs in our families that we know. Some are going into the military, perhaps. Uh, as many that we're honoring today, they're going, Heavenly Father, into the next chapter of their life, into college. I pray for them, Heavenly Father. What great plans and purposes you have for each one of them. Lord, I pray that they will keep their lives on target with your word. I pray each time they will read the Bible, that, Lord, they will realize that this is you speaking to them and they can put their name there. Because you've written it to them. Show them how each and every day, Heavenly Father, that you desire for them to walk with you and to serve you. Lord, I pray for those that are here, the parents, the family and friends of these graduates, the church family that's here. May we also depend upon your certain truth as we depend upon your word. Because we're living in an uncertain, uncertain world. And Father, this world needs Jesus. And may Jesus be seen in how we live our lives each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name.